I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'd like to begin this podcast by recognizing the traditional owners of the land in which it is recorded. I pay respect to their elders past, present, and those emerging. So, I'm going to kick off the podcast if that's okay with you. That's, yeah, yeah great. absolutely. Let's do it. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Nature or Nurture, the podcast where I talk to fascinating people and ask the key milestones that made them who they are today. Today, I am joined by the wonderful Olivia Rogers. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. <laughs> Thank you for coming and talking to my massive dog, which is, a, oh, which is such a thrill. Your dog is so cute. It's an absolute pleasure. Sometimes he sleeps during the whole podcast and sometimes he'll just like knock something over or so there could be chaos in a moment keeps us on our toes yeah, does, absolutely. He, does he snore he does snore yeah oh, yeah and he so makes we might like... get a little bit of background noise <laughs> yeah yeah, That's yeah. Nice. it's not peaceful. so professional yeah yeah it's peaceful <laughs> now i like to start the podcast by asking a question that i always say is a simple question but it's absolutely not do you mm. think that nature or nurture had the greatest impact on you that is it is a really hard question <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I've thought about this because you did send the questions over yeah, yeah, and yeah. I and I had a little think. I it is something I've thought about a lot. Yeah. Like I'm so fascinated by siblings and the birth order and how it affects your personality. Yeah, yeah. Like there's so much in that. And um you know, just comparing me and my siblings, I'm one of one of three originals yep. and then my dad remarried and had two more. So I've got two half siblings. So I've got two sisters, two brothers. Yeah. Are you close with the half uh, half siblings as well? Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I adore them, but they're, they're a lot younger. Like yeah, right. um, there's 14 years between my brother and I and then 16 between my sister and wow, I. Wow. So okay, yeah, yep. they kind of feel more like my, I don't know, niece and nephew than, than my siblings because yeah, we didn't sure. grow up together. But with the three OGs. Um, <laughs> the OGs. The OGs. Mum had the three of us under three. Oh, wow. And so, you know, we were raised very similarly, very close together. Yeah. But we are all so different. Wow. And I feel like that says so much about nature and nurture. Yeah, because, yeah. You know, we're born with very similar genes or same genes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but wired completely differently from the get-go. Yeah. Like you know? A lot of people say that when, the, you know, you meet your parents that you suddenly make sense. Like yeah. your dad's a doctor and, and, and what, what does your yeah, mum do? Yeah, dad's a doctor. Mum works in retail at a homeware yep. store. She's super creative, yeah. um, which is where I get that from. Um, I do think I'm a combo of both. We we all are, yep. um, but in very different ways. And yeah, sure. So, yeah, I think like, you know, my sister and I are like polar opposites. We're yep. so different. Um, my brother's probably more of a combo of us both. And then we went through, we went through very similar experiences growing up, but how we react to those comes back to, you know, just how we were wired, I suppose, like our nature. So to answer your question, um, both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. The end. That's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for coming Um, Yeah. No, I think, I do think predominantly probably nature, I think. My personality was, you know, your personality is sort of set in stone from the age of three or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so I think the things that, you, you know, the challenges you face and the things that happen along the way, um, the way that you react to that is already decided. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what, I, that's probably not a great answer, but it's both. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what, what was a little live like? Oh, she was a little nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were you into when I you were I still little? am a nerd. Um. Reading yep. and painting, drawing. Yeah. Um, do you I was still do that? A bit of a recluse. I don't enough. Yeah. Like I, I love reading and I love painting. Um, but I, I don't make enough time to paint. Yeah, um, sure. I did a lot in lockdown yep. 2020. I painted yep. many a canvas. Uh, but did you do I, the, did you do anything with them? Like, did you put them anywhere? I sold or? some. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. I years ago, like when I was at uni, painting was my my full time job I suppose my my only source of income was painting and selling wow. my paintings yeah what sort of for paintings? a period um I'd call them probably more illustrations but yep. I like draw the outlines and then paint using acrylics and very bold I love bright colors and yep. I do enjoy painting people um where did you learn to do that 
I kind of taught myself. Like, wow. yeah. yeah. I think, like, I did art at school in my younger years, but, and people would say to me, oh, she'll be an artist one day. But then people were like, don't do that. You won't earn any money. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess not. Um, <laughs> that's the end of that. <laughs> that's the Move end of on. that. Because, you know, they say that's the most important thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I kind of pushed that aside. But I do think I maybe wouldn't have sort of followed the pathway as much if I had put so much pressure on myself to just pursue that. Yeah. So it's always been just like a nice hobby on the side. Yeah. Um, I moved into an apartment on my own recently, which is, um, really nice. And I have a little study nook and all my painting and stuff is set up ready to go. Uh, but I just, I haven't done it recently. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah. Every time I do it, I'm like, Oh, I should do this more. But, um, but no, I, I, that's a goal for this year is to make more time for, my hobbies. Amazing. Mm. So you're really creative when you're really little. Were your were your siblings like that? Uh, my sister is a bit creative, but not so much. Like the, the two of them were way more sporty. I yep. could not catch a ball to save my life. Yeah, sure. um, this was very obvious yesterday. I actually went to the Australian Open. I got to have a hit with Leighton Hewitt. Oh my God. Okay. I didn't want to because yeah. I was like, no guys, like I promise you, I won't be able to hit it back. Like this yep. is not going to be good. Yeah. Like we just want a photo. I'm like, the, the photo is going to be terrible because yeah. I, I won't be able to hit the ball. Um, <laughs> You're like holding the racket He was so you. nice. Like bless him. I kept missing it. He's like, yeah, these rackets are really small. I was like, okay, yeah, we'll blame the rackets. Um, no, anyway, I, yeah, I was not a sporty girl. Yep. I was just, I loved doing well. Like I loved getting good grades. Right. Um, I did enjoy spending time with my friends, but I also loved to spend time alone and yeah. just draw and paint and hang out with the dogs. And yeah, I. The best life. That sounds yeah. like an amazing life, painting and with dogs. Yes, yeah, yeah. painting with dogs. <laughs> what were your the friends dream. like at school? I kind of drifted, like I've, I've still got a lot of friends that I had from school. Yeah which is great. Um, you grew up in South Australia. I did, yeah. yeah. Adelaide girl. I um, I kind of had friends from all different groups and I liked sort of drifting between the groups and yeah. having, you know, friends from different sort of areas of school, I suppose. Um, but it's funny how your friendships change and the people that you're drawn to change over the years. Yeah. And friendships that I think are formed out of convenience yep. um, or proximity – yeah. Uh, they change. And you're like, oh, wait, I don't think that we need to be friends anymore. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Then, you know, you become friends with more people that sort of are more aligned to you and yeah. your values, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. It was so, it's so funny, like, saying that because I remember when I first moved to Melbourne and I started doing stand-up and I was like, you know, doing stand-up on stage and there was someone that was just really drunk, like, talking so loud and I looked out and it was like a guy that I went to school with mm. and I was like oh yeah like it's completely different yeah. and I wouldn't choose to be friends no. with him like the person yelling out and yeah un- uncontrollable yeah you're like I don't like that I guy don't like this. No. I don't like this I moved to Melbourne I don't like this <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oh. when, where did you grow up uh, Phillip Island oh yeah. amazing yeah yeah so it, it's funny how I think yeah moving interstate is one of the or you know moving place yeah is one of the best ways to sort of really figure out who your true friends are and, and cull yeah. a lot yeah, yeah. at once. Absolutely, um, at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mass exodus from all the friends. Literally, yeah, because yeah, the ones that you stay in touch with are the ones that you want to stay in touch with. And, yeah, you know, when I go back, I, I catch up with the people I want to see. And, and yep. I've been in Melbourne for almost six years now. And, um, yeah, that's that happened over the first sort of few years. And then I think yep. COVID was a really good time to also sort of see who your true friends are. Yeah, absolutely. The ones that were touching base um, – you know, those who were living freely in Adelaide while we, yeah, we yeah, weren't yeah. so free. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like that's um, that's been really interesting but good. Yeah. Where in Adelaide did you go up? Whereabouts? Were you in Adelaide or were you like Glenelg or where, whereabouts were I you I was there? in uh, – well, we moved around. My parents split up when I was eight. Mm-hmm. And so prior to that we were sort of – do you know Adelaide well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I do, yeah, yeah. Um, we were in Walkerville. Okay, um, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So I went to primary school around there and then – we moved to Beaumont with okay. mum. Yeah, yeah. You know, Burnside Way, <laughs> yeah. which I hate telling people because that's like an instant assumption about me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, mum. So mum was in Burnside or yeah. Beaumont. Uh, I went to school around there, and then. So you're moving schools? Then you were moved to school yep. around the time that they split. It was it was a lot, and then um, dad lives lives and lived and still lives in Sterling. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. And he's just stayed there? With, you know, with well, his... All my family's there, yeah. So dad's right. there with his wife and their two kids and yep. then mum is still in Beaumont and then my sister and her husband are not far from there and my brother wow. and his fiancé are um, they're in Prospect. Okay. Why, yeah. why did you make the move to Melbourne? Why, why Melbourne? <laughs> Honestly, initially 
partly because of an ex. Okay. Yep. Um, but I also thought like when I made that jump, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work out, yeah. but it's a good way to find out. Yeah, sure. And yep. if it does, great. If it doesn't, I'm going to stay in Melbourne because I also saw it as a great place for more opportunity and, and um, yeah, I'm really glad I did. That, yeah. yeah. What did you want to do? Did you want to do speech pathology? What was well, the that dream? was the plan. Yeah. yeah. When, I, when I moved to Melbourne, I had just um, gotten through Miss Universe yeah. Uh, into the national final. So I'd, what I was... What year was that? That what? was 2017. Okay, yeah. Also the year that you won. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, so I had literally like... Or I maybe not even. I think I was a, a South Australian finalist yep. for Miss Universe. And I came to Melbourne, went back to Adelaide for the state final, mm-hmm. got accepted through to the next round. Um, and so went into the national final, living in Melbourne, but representing South Australia. Yeah, sure. And no intention of that being anything. That was kind of just like a fun thing. Who that encouraged I was you to do that? Or did you just do that? You wanted to do that? That was something new. No, I had never considered doing yeah. that. Like, they scout a lot of girls. Like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so I was scouted for that. And at first I said no. At first I actually thought that the email was like a spam email. I was like, oh, this doesn't sound yeah, right. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, Prince of Nigeria wrote it or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where, where were you yeah. scouted? Like were you working um, somewhere? Were no, you... just online. Like I – Wow. I had a small following on Instagram. I'd just been posting my art and, yep. um, I don't know, just my life as I do <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, they just I had my email linked to my Instagram. They emailed me. But, yeah, I did say no initially because I was like, oh, I just don't know if that's right for me. But they yep. came back and they were quite keen. And my mum said, what's the worst that can happen? You know, if they tell you to do something you don't want to do, just don't do it. And, yeah, sure. and you can always pull out. Um, so yeah, I kind of, I moved to Melbourne without a job locked in, in speech, but I had planned to be a speech pathologist. Yeah. So you've gone through uni and everything. At yeah. That I'd graduated. Yeah. I'd already worked. I practiced for a year in Adelaide. Um, and I loved it. Like yeah. it's, it's an amazing, rewarding career. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what I planned on doing. I thought the Miss Universe thing would be a bit of fun. I'd see how, how it went, but, um, never thought that I would win it and, yeah, so then when that happened, um, yeah. yeah, my my life trajectory changed. Yeah. Lot. Yeah. Was it was it hard to get used to the change? Yeah. It yeah. was it was a big adjustment. Yeah, it was sure. um very strange suddenly having complete strangers interested in all the little things that I was doing and, yeah. and that's grown over the years. And I don't think you ever completely get used to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was 2017. So it's really not that long ago. No. And then I think with COVID, like I, I just feel like we delete two years. So really it was, you know. Yeah. It was three years ago. Well, yeah. well I'm 31. I just turned 31 recently and I'm like. So you're I'm actually still, 29. That's what I think. Yeah. I like to no, say that. If I feel you. I'm turning 31 soon too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still 29 <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> so in lockdown, how did your life change? What What were you doing just before lockdown? Do you remember where you were in kind of like March 20? Yeah, my yeah. birthday's in March. So okay, I, right. Um, I remember my birthday, it was the 17th of March and that was kind of the time where my friends and I went out for dinner and people yep. were messaging me on Instagram being like, you guys shouldn't be out for dinner. I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll all what's blow over. the big deal? Yeah, my parents were in Vietnam as yeah, it was oh, like. really? Yeah, as they got forced to come back to Australia, well, luckily at a good time. Oh, it was just crazy, wasn't it? I, uh, that week was, you know, cancellation week. I felt like yep. every job that I had was just getting cancelled. Cancelled, yeah, cancelled, cancelled. Yeah, And Had you had a really big year planned? Uh, yeah. 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 2020 was going to be a really big year. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was supposed to get married that year and, and that was one of those things that it was like surely by the wedding, it, the wedding was meant to be in October. Oh, oh yeah. And that sure, was kind yeah. of like a point where we we're like, surely by then yeah, everything will be different. Yeah. Um, Everyone thought that. Everyone thought it was going to be a few weeks. Or, yeah, yeah. Or maybe a month or yeah. maybe two. Just like, watch Tiger King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally <laughs> we were all doing the exact same thing yeah, yeah. here in Melbourne. Um, but yeah, that was a very strange time for everybody. But I, I definitely had this – I was working as a speech pathologist but only part-time. Like I yeah, went back sure. to it. I was trying to do everything. Um, How did you juggle that between commitments? Not very well. Sure. It was really sure, – sure. yeah, I was yeah, yeah. just really stressed. Yeah. But COVID was good in the sense that I – the other stuff died down. Yeah. Everything moved online. So like I was fine. You know, I had enough work. It was yeah. okay. I was lucky, very lucky in that sense. Um, but then with speech, I got to still leave – my house oh, right, and go to sure. the clinic because I was an essential worker yeah. in that space. So 
that was great being able to have you know human contact with people other than the humans I lived with yeah absolutely um, yeah that was good so I was definitely lucky in ways but god it was hard I think yeah. I I found 2021 harder than 2020 yeah I think yeah. a lot of I did too yeah I think a lot of people did because it was wise. just yeah it was yeah. like really we're here again yeah um, yeah and how, it just felt like it was never going to end yeah how did you deal with mental health um during that time how how, how did you keep um, going and, 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 you know, and, yeah. and trying to stay positive? That's a good question. Um, I am very open about my mental health uh, online. I find that that helps me. I feel yeah, like sure. in a way it sort of keeps me accountable to be like looking after myself mm-hmm. as well as I can um, and sort of sharing that. Yep. So exercise is a big one for me. Running. Yep. I did a lot of running. Yeah, sure. Um, 2021 particularly I, I trained. I ended up training for a half marathon. And oh, then wow. once I hit that point, I was like, mm, I should probably just keep going because it looks like we're in lockdown forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I did a marathon. Um, wow. So that was really challenging but really good like it yeah. gave me something to focus on something to work towards yeah um because otherwise yeah it was kind of you know groundhog day yeah absolutely um so that but also checking in with friends talking to people being open yeah um, i find that really really helps and you know sometimes voicing a problem um just makes a huge difference yeah it doesn't make yeah. it feel so big so yeah staying in touch with everyone and um I don't know, the simple practical things like getting enough sleep and yep. sort of trying to stick to a routine even when our life didn't really have much routine yeah, and sure. eating, you know, nutritious foods and, and that kind of thing. That yep. the, those really basic sort of life things, they, they make a big difference. Yeah. Uh, what do you like about speech pathology? Did, was it, was, did your dad get you interested in that or, or what dad, was that? Dad was pretty keen for me to do um, something in the, in the medical space. Yep. He, he was pushing... Not not pushy, but like encouraging yep. um, me to be a doctor because he thought I could be and, and yep. you know, potentially. But I think when you do something that is so challenging and yeah. requires so much of your time and dedication for so many years, yep. just to get to the point where you can have a job, um, yeah, sure. you really need to want to do it 100%. Yeah. Um, I always loved science, um, being the nerd that I was, and like I liked learning things that had – you know, set answers. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I loved science. So I felt like I wanted to go into some sort of allied health professional yeah. teaching. I loved working with kids. I loved working with people. So there were so many things that I wanted to do, but I had didn't know what. And then someone suggested speech because they were like, it's kind of a combination of, you know, teaching, psychology, science, yeah, yeah, sure. medicine, all these things wrapped up into one and it sounds like such a specific sort of narrow career path, but there's so many different things you can do with it. Yeah. And yeah, I just found it really fascinating and really rewarding. And I think speech and language is something that people often take for granted. Just the ability to communicate yeah, sure. is so important, but we all do it and we don't think that much about it unless we have difficulty with it. And yeah, so I found it really, um, I don't know, exciting to learn about. Yeah, and then yeah. amazing the difference you can make to people's lives when you're working in that space. Yeah. How important was it for you to continue modelling and continue doing speech pathology? Um, modelling, when I started speech, um, modelling was like sort of a thought. And yep. I'd been scouted and I and I was quite young and um, the modelling agency really wanted me to just pursue it full time. But yep. I was like, no, I want to be a speech pathologist. Like, this is what I want to do. I got into my course I had had a gap year. I was like, yep. you know, this is this is my path. What you do on your gap year? Uh, I worked at a, at a summer camp in America. Oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah which yeah. is awesome. Yep. And then travelled Europe with my friends. I did yep. did all of the things. And looking back, I'm like, I can't believe I did that at 18. Like, it's so it's yeah, so young. Yeah, yeah. So when young. I look at 18 year olds now, I'm like, you look 12. Yeah, and, yeah. That, and I thought I was like so grown up. Yeah. And independent. Yeah. And I couldn't understand why my dad was so stressed about me going by myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> makes sense now. <laughs> But yeah, I was scouted to do modelling and, and also growing up, I was a super insecure kid. Like I think right. I missed that part out. But um, when my parents split up, I gained a lot of weight and I yep. um, ended up getting bullied for that, for being chubby. Um, and I was very conscious of the fact that I was like a different size to my friends. And yeah, sure. I just was never very comfortable in my own skin. And I think that's part of the reason I was never good at sport is because I hated doing it because I didn't like yeah. eyes on me and I... So I, I didn't like putting myself out there, which all seems, I'm sure, very ironic when people like hear that and then know what I do now because I'm every day I'm putting myself out there um, in some way. But um, yeah, when I got scouted for modelling, I was like, no, like that's 
that's definitely not me. Um, yeah. Had no. you had you have a mentor? Like, was there someone other than your mum that was encouraging you to do it? Or well, mum mum was hesitant too. Sure, yeah. she, she encouraged the the Miss Universe stuff when that yeah. came around, but that wasn't for years after. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I've I've had a um an ongoing chest infection. Oh, right. Talk, yeah. <laughs> Very self conscious when my voice changes, I crackles a bit. Um, but no, I great. Sounds like we've got two different guests. On this <laughs> <Yeah. now>. <laughs> <laughs> There's just one person here. Um. Yeah, I uh, was like, oh, no, I, I, again, you know, different times, but I thought that the the message wasn't meant for me or that it was fake or something. Right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, she was lovely. She was really persistent and keen and said, you know, that I had all this potential. And yeah. as much as it, I was terrified of it, I was like, oh, it's very flattering that, you know, someone, you yeah. know, I would buy like Dolly magazine and yeah. I see models in there. I'm like, that is not me. Like I didn't. I could not see myself in that sort of yeah, sure. category. Yeah. But so I started speech and, and they were encouraging me to do courses and, and do all the things you need to, you know, put a lot of money in and, and yeah, all these things. Sure. Um, and again, I was still really hesitant. I ended up finishing my first year of uni and during that year, she was pushing and pushing and said, you know, <clears throat> I think if you went to Japan, if you got signed to go to Japan, you'd do really well there. Right, okay. I think they'd really like you there but you need to be a certain size. So sure. she measured me and she said, we've just got to get your hips down to a certain measurement. And she told me, you know, you could earn quite a lot of money in a short amount of time. And so I thought, cool, okay, what's a few kilos for, for that? And right. what an experience. Like I learned Japanese at school. I was like, I want to go to Japan. That sounds fun. Yeah. And maybe I could actually like give this thing a go. Yeah. So I hustled and... Um, started, you know, doing everything I could to lose weight and told myself that it would just be just for that goal, like just yeah. for Japan. And once I hit my target and I met with them, if I went to Japan, obviously I'd have to like stay that size. But if I didn't, then I'd be like, cool, I'm just going to like go back to what I was doing. Sure. Um, unfortunately, it's not that simple and, you know, it's a slippery slope to an eating disorder. Yeah. And I think with my history of, you know, being bullied for my weight and my insecurities and all of that. Yeah. I feel like I sort of had, I suppose, the the precursors or prerequisites for yeah, um yeah. for an eating disorder. So yeah, I, I got to the end of the six weeks, met with the Japan the agent. He didn't sign me. And then I was like, cool, I feel like I'm stuck here now. Like I didn't know how to get out of that mindset. Does it also like really harm your self-esteem when someone doesn't sign you? I mean, the rejection sure. of that as well would have, yeah, would have played a part in that. Definitely. Because then I'm like, well, am I not thin enough? Or yeah, yeah. am I not pretty enough? And Or am I not like, I don't know. Like it's so much, it's literally only focused on, on how you look. Exactly. So you, yeah, you're trying yeah. to pinpoint like every physical attribute that it could be. Yeah, yeah. I guess the only comforting thing was like, I know that it's nothing to do with my personality because they don't even want you to open your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't yeah, care yeah. what you have to say. Um, but yeah, that was a bit soul crushing. But I, um, after that, she said, well, I think you could do well in Sydney. Right. Um, so I ended up getting signed to an agent in Sydney and I moved to Sydney for a year or just under a year in the end. Um, and at that point I was really sick with my yeah, eating disorder sure. and, but keeping it all to myself, it was pretty obvious from the outset, but people would ask me and I was in complete denial and I'd be like, no guys, like, you know, I've just been doing this for modeling. It's just a phase. Like I'm, I'm fine. Was there anyone that asked you about it that, that you took on board? Was there anyone, or did you kind of always hear people asking you about it and, and actually listen to what they were saying? Um, I took it on board. Like I, I was like, oh God, I'm obviously not hiding it well enough. Yeah. That's kind of how I saw it. Cause I, at that, I didn't want to get better. Like I, yeah. you know, the trouble with an eating disorder can be that you, the fear of gaining weight is so severe, mm. um, that yeah, you don't want to get caught out. You don't want people to notice your behaviors because yeah, you want sure. to keep it to yourself and you want to be able to stay the size that you are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my mom and my sister were probably the main two who were super concerned and would always bring it up to me. Um, they had very different approaches. Um, but yeah, my poor sister, like she tried and she would get quite upset with me. Um, and yeah, I would just sort of flat out deny and re refuse any help. And yeah, I was like, I'm going to be fine. Don't worry about me. When did um, things change? It took a while. Like I, so I moved to Sydney. I was modeling there and Did you they, like Sydney? Were you happy there? 
no, I wasn't happy. I was yeah. completely miserable. Yeah. The thing, like the the thing is, like the, I guess the message that you're eating to sort of sort of feeds you or promises you is um, that once you get to your like target size, that you'll be happy. And even diet culture in general, yeah. you know, you think once your body looks a certain way, that like happiness just comes with it. Yeah, sure. And like that every day you'll wake up and look in the mirror and be like, I am amazing yeah. and just love yourself and feel good. And yep. it's funny because it was like the complete opposite happened. Like I was the smallest I'd ever been and I was the unhealthiest I'd ever been physically and mentally. You know, my hair was falling out. My my nails were brittle. I was freezing cold all the time. I was growing hair on my back and you know, my bones were sticking out. Like it, it hurt to sit on a on a hard chair because I was so thin, um, and I was so unhappy, and and I was so tired and hungry and grumpy and not good to be around. I'm sure, um, but you know, then I'm modelling in Sydney, and I'd go to my agent, and they're like, "You look great, sweetie." Like they'd measure me, and I'm I'm the size that they want. So they're like, "Keep it up, whatever you're yeah. doing, keep it up." I'm like, "Cool, I'm starving myself, but okay." Um, and it just wasn't a way to live. Like I, I ended up booking a job that I thought I really wanted and it was for like a, a great magazine that I'd always liked and I was shooting for it and the clothes were all too big um, and which felt very strange. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Range because I was like, oh, I thought I'd be happy about that, but I'm, I wasn't. And I was starving and they, and often on those shoots, like they only offer like pizza or like lollies or something. And I'm like, you guys want me to look this way, but then you want me to eat this stuff. And, yeah, yeah. and, um, so, and then they're like, oh no, you're a model. You don't eat like that. People would make comments like that. And it was just not a good environment. And then I'm on this shoot and I'm miserable and I'm like, this is what I'm working for, but I'm here now and I hate it. Yeah. So what am I doing? Um, like it just wasn't giving me any purpose, any happiness. So yeah, I, I pulled the pin. I ended up getting quite sick. I got like a kidney infection and, and my body was just like, stop, yeah, <laughs> stop what yeah. you're doing. So I moved back to Adelaide, went back to uni, finished my degree, but the eating sort of stayed with me. Like I, I, at the beginning it was anorexia um, and then that sort of shifted to bulimia and that stuck with me till I was 25. So yeah, from like ni- 18, 19 to, to 25 or so. Um, yeah, I was I was sick. Yeah, and excuse yeah. my ignorance here as well, but I mean, is, is it an ongoing thing obviously where you still have to check in on I think, how you think? Yeah, it depends on the person for sure. Yeah. I think um, for me, I, I work with a psychologist still yeah. um, regularly, like every couple of weeks I see him at the moment. Um, and we talk about it when we need to, but I'm – I'm really grateful to be in a place where it's not something that I'm not triggered anymore by things that I used to be triggered by. And I, um, I make a conscious effort to do the things that helped me to recover to sort of try and, you know, make sure I, I stay on track. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of big life stresses recently. Yeah. Um, and I, as hard as it was, there was part of me that was like, Oh, this is good because as hard, like it became really difficult, but I still wasn't falling back into old patterns. Yeah, sure. Um, but then it can be hard because like the public kind of, I feel like they monitor my weight. Um, right. Because I have spoken about my eating disorder. So like if my body changes, they're like, oh, are you okay? Right, um, okay. And, you know, want to ask me questions about that. It's okay, but it's, um, I think it just is what comes with, you know, being public about these things. Um, but again, I think it kind of, try, it, it holds me accountable. Like I, I want to take care of myself and I, I want to be a good role model to young girls. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, keeping myself well is the best way that I can do that. Yeah. How yeah. do you, how do you cope with like, um, comments and everything? Do you, do you read them? Do you try and block them I out? try not to. It's hard when it, you know, when they're direct messages on Instagram sure. or, or comments on my page, 
I see them. Like yeah. you, people I think sometimes people think you don't, but you see them all. Yeah. Um, but there are other forums, like there's a website um that is just this like disgusting website where they literally just like bitch about me the whole time Wow! and someone sent it to me when I was like in the middle of splitting up with my husband and um they sent me a weird thing to send to someone but these people are so strange like the stuff they say I started reading it and I was like packing up my house and I was stressed out of my mind and I'm like why how do I unsee this yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) like oh my god it was awful um, I have one of my close friends sometimes reads it just to pin, like just to pull out the funny things to read to me because yep. there are some really funny, obscure theories and comments. Yeah, you know, people are trying to come up with reasons why my ex and I split, and then they they share them all, and then they have all their weird conversations. But um, right, it's a very strange place. <laughs> but I I don't go on that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah it's sure. weird how I don't know if you have this with like feedback on things that you do. It's like there's this temptation to see it like you're oh, like a yeah, sucker for yeah, punishment. Yeah. I know it's going to be bad, but then yep. part of me is like, well, maybe I'll get some nice ones. So maybe yep. it's worth reading. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then I'm like, no, I know it's not because yeah. even if there are 50 nice comments, yep. if there's three that are really, really awful, I yeah. know my brain will latch onto those. Of course. And yeah. they're the ones that stick with you. Yeah. So yeah, I do my best not to read that and, and like daily mail comments. Yeah, sure. They're yeah, the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> they are not good. <laughs> well, Daily Mail just sucks in general. They they really yeah, do, but yeah. the people that read it as well, they yeah, sure, they suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with um with young girls that you know might be going through something similar to to what you went through, is yeah. there are there pieces of advice or that you would give, or is there something? Yeah, you would I mean, say? I wrote a book, um, yep. which I published at the end of twenty twenty one. Yep, and the main purpose of that was for that reason. Like I, I found when I went through my eating disorder, I didn't really see many people in the public eye who at that time were speaking openly about it. And from what I knew about eating disorders, it was a lot of doom and gloom. And like, once you get it, you never be better. And, and when you are going through something like that, you need hope or you just can't, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel at all. Like it's just not there. So I think you know, by talking about it, I hope that I can give people that hope that yeah. you can live a really fulfilling, happy life where you don't think you're not your thoughts and life isn't consumed by thinking about food and your weight every yeah. single second of the day because it's exhausting. And and that's where I was at. Like I was when I was at my worst, I was really, really depressed and really sick, and um, I could not see a life ahead of me that was going to be different to that. Like I was like, this is it. Like I'm doomed Yep. because I don't know how to get my brain to not think about this stuff. Um, but it's possible like with a lot of help and support. Um, but it's scary too. Like I said before, I think one of the trickiest things about that particular mental health issue is that you don't really want to get better. I think with other ones, like you, you kind of, you do like yeah, gen- sure. that's a big generalization but i would say you know someone with anxiety doesn't want to have anxiety yeah yeah and someone with depression doesn't want to be sad all the time like you with an eating disorder you don't want to have it but then you also like there's so much around it's so complicated course, around your body yeah. so yeah it's a really it's a really difficult spot to be in but um i think like i would i would say read my book yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully that helps but um also you know, the Butterfly Foundation is an amazing, amazing resource. They have so many great things and, and suggestions on their website. And also if anyone's listening that has, you know, a friend or a family member who's going through it, they have great tips and advice for how you can sort of approach it. Yeah, Because sure. that's a, it's a really hard conversation to have. And, you know, if the person doesn't want to get better and they're in denial, then it's, it's really tricky. So, um, yeah, there are lots of great resources out there. The Butterfly Foundation is, is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think probably just to to hold on to hope because yeah. you can get better. Yeah. Um, and it and it it takes time and it takes leaning on other people. Like you can't do it on your own. I was so determined to do so many of those things on my own, which I do not recommend. Yep. Um, leaning on other people is is a big one for sure. Yeah, great. Well, I have standard questions to ask on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd go through these, and if you have an answer for them, great. But if you don't, we just move on to the okay. next one. <laughs> uh, so, what trait in people do you admire the most? What kinds of people are you drawn to? Mm. 
Do I have to just say one? No, no, no. no you can say as many <laughs> okay. as you want. Um, Imagine you felt real strict about it. Go, absolutely not. <laughs> You're like, no, one. Absolutely that's not. it. Um, <laughs> no, cut you off and keep moving. <laughs> I think you're too nice for that, Sam. <laughs> uh, I think probably honesty and vulnerability, integrity, the three intertwined. Yeah. I think I'm really drawn to people. I admire people who are not afraid to be vulnerable and open. Uh, I think they're the easiest people to connect with. Yeah. And I think then it happens quite quickly. Like when you share, I'm an, I'm an oversharer, uh, you might have <laughs> gathered. Um, but I think that that helps you to connect with people. Yeah. And be more relatable to someone, you know, it brings the walls down, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable. So I admire people who, who can do that. Yeah, amazing. Uh, if you could choose to be born into the perfect environment, what do you think that would look like? Oh, that is a really hard question. I mean, the way, like, the where my brain goes when you say that is like, would I choose to be born into the same environment again? Mm. I think I've been very blessed and like I probably would. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think where we live in Australia, we're so, so lucky. Yeah. I think it's a pretty perfect environment. Um, obviously not for everybody, but, um, you know, having a, a roof over your head and a, and a family around you is, is kind of the perfect environment, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your favourite thing about yourself? Another hard one. Um, <laughs> I had to get better at this with Miss Universe because you get asked so many questions oh, about yourself. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. And yeah. I think people find it really hard to say something nice about themselves. Yep. Um, I think for me, it probably comes back to what I said before about being vulnerable. I think I do like, sometimes I think it's to my detriment, but I I think I like that I am open. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Was it was was Miss Universe something? Did you did you know what it was before you went into it, or was it completely unknown and it surprised you? Um, I think I became better at pinpointing it and saying it. Yeah. Through Miss Universe. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you're forced to sort of like we worked, we did a lot of sort of professional development, personal development. You know, what's your elevator pitch yep. for yourself? Yeah, sure. And and that's hard. It's like sell yourself in a sentence. Yeah. Um. It's like, oh, I don't know. What do I say? Um, it makes you better at doing that and um, being kind to yourself and being confident. Because I think there's so much, especially in Australia, it's like we don't like arrogance. No. Uh, you know, as yep. people in Australia, um, tall poppy tall syndrome. Poppy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No one likes someone who's too big for their boots. Yep. So to be confident and not be arrogant is a really fine line. Yeah. And it's a tricky one to sort of navigate because – yeah, I think you get scared that if you're being confident, people are going to take it as arrogance and then they're not going to like you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I think I, I got better at it. But I also think it's not as scary to, like, find – it helped me with my mental health to, to be able to, you know, take note of the things that I do like about myself and instead of yeah. fixing on the things that I don't like to, you know, accept and acknowledge the – the better things. Yeah. Well, yeah. the next question kind of relates to that. Yeah. What's something about yourself that you would change, if anything? Oh, I, everyone's got lots of things, I'm sure, that they'd change about themselves. I think over the years it's gotten um, easier for me to not, like I said, to not fixate yeah. on those things. Um, I need to be better at saying no, um, at setting boundaries yep. with people and um, uh, experiences. And, you know, I overcommit all the time. I wish I was better at that. And I also wish I was better at having uncomfortable conversations. So yeah, sure. confrontation and being assertive. I'm not great at that. And that's something I'm struggling with being single, yep. recently single. Um, you know, telling people no if like they ask me on a date that I don't want to go on. Yeah, sure. That kind of thing. Yeah. It's actually so hard. Yeah, yeah. And uncomfortable. So that's something I really would like to be better at is, um, yeah, setting boundaries and not being afraid to let people down. I think... I focus a lot on like how the other person feels rather than how I'm going to feel. Yeah, sure. And then I sit through uncomfortable situations because I'm scared Going to a hundred dates a week. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't say that. That's not, that's not, that's going to be a Daily Mail article. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, who would you say influenced you the most? And that can be like personally, it can be professionally. Um, the first person that comes to my mind is my grandpa who has passed away. Yep. His name was Morris. My mum's dad, he and his wife, Patricia, mum's mum, they've both passed away. But they Great were, names, Morris and Patricia. Yeah, and they were oh, they were just the coolest. They were two of the best people that I've ever met. 
and I was so lucky that they were my grandparents and I think yeah the two of them like there's often conversations and they passed away years ago now um yeah they often still come up in conversations that I'll be like oh yeah I learned that from my grandpa or, you know yeah they taught me that um so I think they influenced me a lot my grandpa always used to say oh it's good being good and it would be the simplest thing like he you know he'd make himself a good sandwich he's like oh it's good being good and um <laughs> I love that just like so many little catchphrases and things that he used to say that I still think about a lot of the time yeah, yeah. were they in Adelaide they were yeah. yeah 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 did they did they just spend a lot of time with you growing up yeah we were really lucky that particularly when mum and dad split and mum moved to Beaumont they actually lived like across the road like we had yeah. a park in the middle but they lived across the road from us so we saw them all the time that's so nice and we were super super close and and my first year of uni I actually lived with my grandpa just the two of us so yeah. I, I got a lot of time with him and um yeah he was great yeah it's good being good I like that it is good being good <laughs> it's good being good <laughs> uh what do you oh, – so who do you choose to surround yourself with now? What kinds of people and has that changed over time? Yeah, I mean, we spoke about this very early on. I think as you get older and, and you know, situations change and you move around, I think yeah. you you cull the people that don't serve you. Um, someone once called them energy uh, – yeah, energy vampires. Like, yeah. you know, those people that you catch up with and you leave feeling really drained. Yeah, yeah. And you don't leave feeling happy and then – yeah, after a while I was like, okay, I don't need to hang out with those people anymore. Yeah, yeah. I want to hang out with people that when I get to the end of the hangout, I'm like, oh, I still have so much more I want to say to you. Yeah, Or I yeah. feel like I could, you know, keep going for hours or I can't wait for the next catch up. Like yeah. they're the people that I want to spend my time with. And and over the years I, I feel like I've collected a great group of people who do that. Yeah. Um, you know, people who lift me up and energize me and support me and I support them. And um, yeah, I think I'm very blessed with the the people I have in my life now and um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I think I've, I've always been, I've, I'm, I've gotten quite good at choosing friends, just, um, not partners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good. Uh, when are you at your happiest? Probably when I'm around those people, when I'm around, you know, the people that I love, my friends or family. Um, it's the simple things. I think, you know, over summer I was feeling and I still do now, like I'm, I'm lucky I'm in a really good place and I, I feel the happiest that I've ever felt. And I think that's because I am, yeah, surrounding myself with, with really good people and yep. people that care about me and, and I care about them. And um, my sister had a little girl, uh, she's now 18 months old, Winnie. She's the cutest thing ever. And spending time with her, like spending time with kids, I think that's that's probably one of them, just makes me feel really happy. Like just yep. their simple you know, outlook on things and their honesty and yeah. um, just the funny things they say. I, yeah, I just love spending time with people and I don't know, not doing much, not having like the external pressure of everything else, just yeah. removing all of that and just being really present. Yeah. Do you, do you spend a lot of time with people or do you like to spend time by yourself as well? I think lately I've spent a lot more time with people. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's like a distraction. I don't know. Um, but I love it. I feel I, I feel really good when I'm around other people, but I do also still love my own time. So I, yeah. try, I try to balance it out. Um, it's probably something I could get better at, yeah. um, spending more time on my own. Um, but, yeah, I, I like a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when are you at your lowest? Um, well, probably last year, prior to a lot of changes that happened. Um I was really depressed and I think sometimes when you are, you don't realise until you're out of it how bad it was. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I guess when I when my mental health isn't it's at its best, Yeah, I do have ongoing anxiety. Um, so yeah, probably when I'm not managing that the best and then when I've got a lot of stress in my life and, you know, uh, external factors yeah yeah uh, if you could pinpoint a moment in time that had the greatest impact or influence on you what do you think that would be this one's hard because I think that there's there's a lot yeah um and if you read my book I think yeah you'd be like oh, okay yeah there's quite there's a these quite a lot of pivotal mo moments um one that stands out is I, I lost my cousin when I was 17 he was 18 um he passed away very suddenly uh, from meningococcal and I think um sorry 
didn't expect to get upset. Um, I'm just going to have some water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you need a tissue or anything, if you want me to get you anything. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think that, obviously, like I'm, it's been, oh, how long has that been? Coming up 14 years. Yeah. It still sits very, uh, very raw in my chest, I feel. Um, Meningococcals are a really rare thing. To, so rare. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was like, he was such a shining light, like the funniest, most vibrant guy. His name is Jack. Um, and he, yeah, he was just taken far too soon. Yeah. And I think when you are so young and something so big happens like that, it definitely shapes so many things. And I, and I, I think maybe like it's so hard to say if I would have ended up with an eating disorder um, had I not done modelling or had I not lost Jack because I yeah. think maybe, you know, it was some sort of like a source of control because it wasn't long after we lost Jack that that all sort of happened. Um, I do think that that shaped a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, they say everything happens for a reason and I think that losing Jack at that age also, as hard as it was, taught me so many things and, and has made me sort of – you know, seize more opportunities and, and all of that. Cause I'd sort of have Jack in my mind being like, don't be a loser, live like suck it up and do it. Like, yeah. you know, enjoy yourself. Um, so yeah, I think it obviously shaped me in negative ways yeah, somewhat, yeah. but then I think also probably in some positive ways. Yeah. Mm. Um, and Jack was just a really funny person that you just love spending time with. And yeah. Just really warm. Like yeah. I, I don't think anyone, who met him could have had a bad word to say about yeah. him because he was just one of those infectious people that you just want to be around. Like yeah. he had this laugh where he would just throw his head back and it was and it was always at like the silliest things and often at my expense. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was just – he was my cousin but he was like another brother. Like we yeah. were all super, super close. Um, and yeah, we were lucky to have him for the time that we did. Would well, you have like a lasting memory of Jack? Like is there anything, anything that happened that he did or – Oh, that he said that you hang on to. <laughs> so many. Probably his laugh. Like I can still yeah, just yeah. hear his laugh in my head. Yeah. And um and yeah, <laughs> I mean that he would always say to me, Oh, you're such a loser, or don't be a loser. But in like an affectionate way. Yeah. And so like I remember because that year, that was my like my final year of school. It was my it was year twelve when that happened and it was towards the start of the year. Um, and you know, a lot of people were concerned about that and I was offered lots of, you know, extensions and things like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. But I'd always just have him being like, come on, don't be a loser. You yeah. Can, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. don't feel sorry for yourself. Um, yeah. so probably that, like, I feel like he made me toughen up a bit. Yeah. Um, but he also just really enjoyed life and, and was so fun to be around and, and that was, you know, really infectious. And I think that he made me want to be like that. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, what's the hardest thing you've ever been through and it did it change you? Um, probably that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's that. Uh, also my eating disorder, I think. Like that yeah. was really, really challenging and it definitely changed me. I think, you know, the, the, hard, thing, the, the hard things that you go through um, definitely shape you and, and, you know, build resilience and, and change change your personality in ways that you might not realize at the time. Yeah. But I think yeah, when I when I look back on on those things, they definitely have made me yeah, who I am now. Yeah. Uh what gets you going now every day? What motivates you every day to get up and and get going? Um probably gratitude. Like I think being grateful to be in the position that I'm in and doing what I'm doing for work. I I think I'm I'm a very lucky person. I feel very lucky and grateful for for everything in my life at the moment. And I think, you know, that gets me going. Like I don't ever want to take anything for granted and I, I just want to make the most of, of my life. I think, you know, ageing is a privilege and, and um, you know, living the life that I live in beautiful Australia. Yeah. Like I think I'm just very lucky. So so that. You're 28 soon. I'm, yeah, thank you. We'll round it down. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'll be 31 in March, so... <laughs> Um, but yes, we'll take off two years. I'll be 29 soon. 29 soon. Sure. Um, I got my maths wrong. Yeah. 29, 29, <laughs> 29 soon. 29 soon. Um, but yeah, I feel good. Like I, I do think that there's something like, and I don't know if you feel this way cause we're obviously a very similar age. Yeah. Both 29. Um, 
I feel like the older you get, like the more you know yourself and the more comfortable you become within your skin and yeah, and things that used to phase you don't phase you as much. Yeah. Um, so you can, you know, use that energy that you used to waste on other things yeah. on, on the things that matter. And yeah. I feel like that's a really cool thing. Yeah. yeah. I always used to think like looking at people who were like 30, I was like, they're so old. I know, same. They've got their shit together. And, you're like, <laughs> and then you go, no one does. No one has their shit together No one completely. knows what they're doing. No, we no. fake it till we make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the end of the podcast, I like to ask the same question I did at the start. So do you think that nature or nurture had the greatest impact on you? Hmm. Maybe now I feel like nurture. Yeah. The things that happened... After I was born, yeah, 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 been a bit of that. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, I don't know. I still feel like it's both because yeah. I guess nature is the things that you can't control, and there's been a lot of that too. And then, yeah. and that shapes you. So, what do you think, Sam? Having I, spoken so to me, what what do you think has shaped me I, more? I think it's usually a bit of both. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's always kind of the answer that okay. I've found with people. It's always kind of a bit of both. And yeah. And you know, and you find it as well with with everyone. Everyone has a story, and everyone has little bits and pieces mm. that, that they change and develop. And people are always kind of moving. So I don't think it's always one thing. But yeah, I still ask the question every time. <laughs> <laughs> Usually the same answer. <laughs> Massive flaw in my yeah. podcast. Yeah, no, yeah. it's not a flaw at all. <laughs> Liv, um, thank you so it much. makes you think. Yeah, yeah. 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 Liv, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. How do people find you? And, and for where me. do you want um, people to find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's Olivia Molly Rogers. Yep. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the same on TikTok. Um, I feel like I'm kind of two different people on TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, I think right, that's people yep. generally is like people are a bit more relaxed on TikTok. And, yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, either or. Yep. Yep. Don't go to the Daily Mail. Don't do that. No, don't do don't that. Don't do that. Don't look on the Daily Mail, please. <laughs> Whatever you read sake. on there, take with a grain of salt. Liv, thank you so much for joining me on the thank podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Nature or Nurture for this week. My name is Sammy Peterson and you can follow me, SamPeterson91 on Instagram. I also have a comedy podcast called Confessions. You can find that. The handles are Confessions, the podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. You can also just search it on your regular podcast apps. Please do rate this podcast Uh, I would love that. It helps get the podcast out there to so many people. Thank you to the wonderful Michelle Laurie and Matthew Tankard. They're they're great producers and I couldn't do this without them. Please do share this podcast around. I'd love to get it out there to as many people as possible. So please do share it with a friend and tell the person that you just heard on this podcast that you really enjoyed hearing their chat. Thank you so much. Hope you have a good week and I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.